Oh, what a treat to my soul this morning. Hey, welcome to Next Level Ministries. Thank you for joining us here another Saturday. Got a word from the Lord. You are going to be blessed today. I promise you, you are going to be so blessed by the word of God today that you want to reach out to somebody Text them, call them, say, hey, turn on Next Level Ministries right now, because I'm telling you, you don't want to miss this particular word of God today. So before we get started, I want to let me just open up in prayer. And then we got so much for you today, so much. You guys, the Lord has laid out a table before you today, Lord. It's going to be a smorgasbord of anointing today. So, Father, we come before you right now in the matchless name of Jesus. There is no name above that name. There is a name full of power, full of anointing, full of authority in the realm of the spirits. Demons tremble at his very name, Father. We thank you, Lord, this morning for what you're doing in the earth, Father. Lord, even though we may not understand everything that's going on, it's okay. Because we know you still sit on the throne, Father God. And everything is in your hand. Everything is in your timing, Lord. Lord, your word says that your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So, Father, we can rest in peace this morning knowing that all of it, you you hold all of it in your hand. Father, I thank you even for the instruction that you gave me for this morning to feed the flock. And, Father, I just pray now. Oh, your spirit is already in the house. I feel the the spirit hovering. Oh, I feel the spirit in the house. But, Father, I still ask you, as I do every time, anoint me as your vessel. Anoint Brother Ted as your vessel. Anoint Pastor D today as your vessel, Father. Lord, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So before we get into this word, we are blessed today to have an awesome man of God uh, with us, a brother uh, named Ken Austin. I've actually been knowing Ken for several several years. Um, I know some people in politics that tried to get him to run for some things years ago, but he was on assignment of the Lord. And like I am right now, I'm on assignment. We might go there one day, Ken, but right now God has us on assignment doing some other things, does he not? So anyway, I want to tell you guys just a little bit about uh, Pastor Ken Austin. Pastor, how long have you been over on the west side ministering? Since 1983. I don't know how many years that is. Y'all do the math this morning. But since 1983, this brother has been on the west side of Montgomery feeding the homeless, clothing the homeless, teaching them, helping them turn their lives around. And not only is he over on the west side, let me tell you something. He didn't have to do this, but he did. Him and his wife live on the west side of Montgomery, right there amongst the flock that God has called them to. So, Ken, I want you to come up, if you don't mind, for give you about five minutes. Can you tell people who you are, your ministry, and what you do? Five minutes, preacher, okay? Preacher minutes. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Troy. Blessing to be here today. Uh, got the privilege of coming to Montgomery in 1983, actually October 1983, and been serving on the West Side since then. Uh, so grateful for what God is doing in this city. Thankful for working out of 
uh, Air University Hospital and delivering some babies out there back in the early 80s and 90s. And God blessed us to continue to work there in the community. I run what we call the Mercy House over in Washington Park. And God has blessed us with WSFA, the old TV station that we have there, which is now the MAP Center, Ministry About People. Uh, Trenum College is there. We're doing adult education. Uh, we're in the process, even as we're speaking today, to form a hub there in the MAP Center. Be a center there where people in poverty can come and get education, get job training, get counseling, drug rehabilitation, mental health. All of those things would be inside of that facility. So we're working to bring help to those who are in need. And God has blessed us, too, that we can do that under the umbrella of Christ. And that's the power that God has given us. That TV station was donated to the church. And so the church on it is still a church. It's still a church. Amen. So all the work that we get a chance to do, we do it under the umbrella of Christ. I think since the last time we was here, uh, God has blessed us. I worked at Common Ground for lots of years, but God has blessed us now that Common Ground is a facility that's under the MAP program, under the umbrella of the church. And each day we have over 200 children come into that program every day, after school tutoring, uh, homework help and enrichment. And we also, that's under the umbrella of the church. On Thursday evening, we have worship for them. Every day we have devotion. We have Bible study. We teach them. We also science and math and STEMs and all those different things. But we do it under the umbrella of the church. The Mercy House is a place in the city where we touch 500 people every day. 500 people come there a day to get hot meals and take showers and wash and dry their clothes. But that's under the umbrella of Christ. Before we serve them natural food, we take them outside and we have devotion with them. Tell them about the bread of life. Making them know that you can get this bread, but you're still going to hunger. You could drink this drink that we have here, but you will still thirst. But if you get the bread of life, if you drink of this water, this living water, you will never thirst again. So God is doing a great thing in the city. We are so grateful that your church partnered with us. So into the work that we are doing, I know God is going to bring back here hundredfolds from what you do to cause the work to continue to go out. And I'm so grateful for being here. Pastor Troy, thank you for this opportunity. I just got a call. I was at a 7.30 meeting this morning, and I have Dr. Tania Stewart over at the building. We had two uh, different things going on at the same time. I had a little crisis going over there, so I'm going to have to leave a little bit about 10.45 to get there to take care of some business there. But I am so grateful to be here. I'm thankful for the work that you're doing. I'm thankful for this body of believers uh, who continue to keep the banner of Christ up in the city, crying holy unto God Amen. and praising his name. So God bless you. Thank you for the privilege of being here. I love you. Thank you, Pastor Troy. Y'all give God a hand, clap of praise for what this man of God is is doing. A little, little hot up here, you guys. A little too strong. So, listen, I want to, you guys, like I said, we got so much in store. Um, and um, when, when Ken gets ready to leave, Josh, you and him are going to be leaving about the same time. If you get my keys and go out in my car, in the little armrest, pull it up, 
There's a check in there for the for his ministry. Okay, it's a cashier's check in there from the ministry. Uh, go ahead and give that to him. We were planning on having a meeting with Ken right after. We'll have to reschedule that. Ken, maybe next week or the week after that, we'll we'll figure out something. Maybe we'll all go out and get lunch or something after service. But li- you guys, listen. When you sow into Next Level Ministries, and this is not a part of my message today. When you sow into this ministry, and many of you guys watch this online, I don't, listen, we don't take offerings here. The Bible says faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God tells me to teach every so often, maybe twice a year I teach on giving. And God told me to teach again on it. Probably by the end of this year, the beginning of next year, I heard God this morning say, you're going to teach on giving again. Because I want you to keep your faith lifted and high in the area of giving. God wants you to give because it blesses you. And I don't have time to go into all that, but I want you to know you heard what this man is about my elders got with me about a month ago and they said, listen, we're blessed. We got we got lots of money in the bank for a little small church. And you know what they said? We got to give. We got to find we got my elders came to me and said, we got to find some people to bless. And we've been blessing people. Have we not, Selena? We've been blessing people that we are giving unto this ministry. So listen, when you give unto next level ministries, you're giving into good soil. You know, I always talk about that. You can you can give to any church. But you might not get the return you're going to get if you don't put it in good soil. Amen. So let's get into the word of God today. Um, On the previous Tuesday night, we had a Tuesday night service and I dealt with a modern uh, day news story. Something that's right in the moment. It's an end time. I call it an end time event uh, because the Bible says that in the end times there would be wars and rumors of wars. And so I'm talking about the war between Israel and Palestine. And on Tuesday, we explained the genesis of this conflict, which we actually find in the book of Genesis, chapters 15 through 17. Uh, We found out that this bad blood has all stemmed for generations. It goes back to two half brothers, Isaac and Ishmael. And I titled that message, Brother from another mother. Amen. And um, Crystal, I'm glad you're here today. You've been on my heart. You were on my heart this morning. I said, Lord, please let her let her come. But you've been on my heart. So this morning we will deal with another recent news event. This is a tragedy that took place right here in a small community in Alabama called Smith Station. This story and tragedy did not stay in the state of Alabama, but it took wings and traveled around the world. Today, we will, in a a sense, retell some of the details of a suicide of a pastor of a Baptist church in Phoenix City, Alabama. We are not doing this to belittle this man who took his own life, or nor are, are we not sympathetic to this man and to his uh, family, we understand that they are grieving. And as the body of Christ, we grieve with them and feel terrible. Uh, this was and is a blow to the body of Christ. But as on Tuesday, if we don't take this tragedy and expose the enemy, then I as a pastor would be negligent on my duty and calling. 
We have to shine light on dark places to ensure that God's people are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Amen. So this brings us to our title of our message today. Y'all ready for this? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Our subtitle today is Identity Theft. Identity Theft. So, most of us, can I have by a show of hands, have seen the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. If you haven't seen it, have you ever heard of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves? Okay. This, very quickly, is about an evil witch who looks into a magic mirror and asks the infamous question, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Today, we will look at this story with a spiritual perspective. Because Satan has millions and millions today also looking into a magic mirror. And they're asking a similar question. They're saying, mirror, mirror on the wall. What is my identity after all. And just like in the story of Snow White, the mirror answers back because it's a magical mirror. And where there's magic, there is always demonic power and deception. The demons that are speaking back are telling you lies, making you see your reflection as something that you are really not. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Ted, I need you to come up here right now. You're going to help me with something. I want you to put that down. You need to put that down. You ain't up here to speak yet. Take this mirror. Okay, turn right here. Lift it up. Let me tell you guys what's happening right now in the world. Let me tell you how the enemy is deceiving not only people in the world, he's deceiving people in the body of Christ. It's a magic mirror he has us looking into because there's demons. Anytime there's magic, there's demons, there's deception. And so what we're doing is we're looking in his magic mirror. And let me tell you what's going on. We see a female. But she sees a male. We see a man, but he sees a woman. We see a boy. He sees a girl. We see somebody that's straight. They see somebody that's gay. We see somebody that is monogamous. They see somebody that is bisexual. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Thank you, Ted. I wanted you to see that. I wanted you to see that prop. I want you to see it in the spirit realm because that's what the enemy is doing right now to our children, to adults, and to this man, to this preacher, this pastor. He started looking in Satan's mirror. And he started out and, and, and the mirror began to speak back to him. He said, who are you really? And he began to lose his identity in God because he was looking in Satan's mirror. 
mirror, mirror on the wall. So this morning, we are going to do exactly what the Lord showed me, what the Holy Spirit instructed me to do. There's a way God wanted me to bring this message. So you're going to have three speakers today. You're going to have brother Ted Halley. He's going to come up. Ted has a very unique perspective of a man who struggled with this same spirit, these same demons, which led him to total transgenderism. Then you're going to hear from Pastor D, who will come and share what the Holy Spirit has shared with her. You know, Pastor D is always poignant and insightful. Y'all know you're going to get something good, right? I don't even know what she's coming with, but I can't wait to hear it for myself. And then I'm going to play cleanup, and I'm going to share some things the Holy Spirit put in my heart. So, Brother Ted, I hope you're ready. Without further ado, come on up here and share with the people what the Lord has put on your heart. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, as, honor, as always, it's an honor and a privilege to be before you and to share the truth. I was once that other failure, 100 complete, looking in the mirror, knowing at one time I was a man, but seeing a woman. And I took it as far as you can go, cutting off body parts, mutilating myself. Whatever you can do out there, I've done it. I've done it. I got the scars to prove it. But the beauty of those scars is Jesus has scars, too, to remind us of the cross. And I have a few minutes. I could take up the whole hour and not share with you all. I wish I could, but you've seen that before. But I just want to start with the thought that we've heard political leaders say, let no crisis go to a waste. Well, you know what? This crisis, they're not letting go to the waste. And I'm not either, because we're going to take this crisis and show you the power of the gospel unto salvation, unto all who believe, first to the Jew, then to the Greek. So I kind of call this the anatomy of a failure, unfortunately. Um, But ultimately, that lies with us, the choices we make. We can follow it unto the end, or to death, or to life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will enjoy its fruits. So I take you and think about who was this man? Who was F.L. Bubba Copeland besides being 51 years old? He was a community icon. He was a successful man. He was the mayor of Smith Station, Alabama, in the back end, our previous president, Trump, came to visit with the, the tornado damage. He was there. He was a pastor of probably the largest denomination in the U.S., Southern Baptist, First Baptist Church, Phoenix City. He owned a business. I mean, this guy, by all respects of the world, he had it made. He had money. He had influence in the community, and he was a pillar, supposedly, of spiritual strength. But you know what we find out? This wasn't true. And as a person who struggled with this spirit of transgenderism, cross-dressing, 
messed up identity. It's, it's something, I guess I would put similarly, most people that haven't struggled with it, maybe there's something else you struggle with. Maybe you had a drug addiction, alcohol addiction, pornography addiction, uh, spendaholic problem. Maybe you had an anger problem. Maybe you were unfaithful to your wife. Maybe you stole. Whatever it is, it's all sin. And just because we have a certain sin, and, and I don't, let's say I don't struggle with transgenderism, you don't understand it, but it's still sin. No matter how you cut it, no matter how you peel the banana, it's still a banana. Sin is sin is sin is sin, and you can't get away from that. And, you know, for we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has something we're dealing with. But unfortunately, this pastor, he struggled and embraced this sin. And so what I want to do a little bit is kind of peel back the banana, peel back the onion. Why did this happen? How does it happen? Well, it happened to me. So the first thing, one of the first things that happens is that we start believing a lie. This is a Bible says in Proverbs 14:12, there's a way that seems right unto man, but its end is death. End of death. Another thing he did is he bought into a lie, a false non-biblical identity that Pastor Troy just talked about. He looked in the mirror and early in his life, he saw a little boy. And something happened one day, which I will just theorize on. I can't say for sure because I wasn't there. But I'll tell you what happens in most cases. Is that most of people that go down the LGBTQ alphabet soup road experience some type of trauma. I'm not talking about normal trauma like moving from Montgomery to Birmingham or to New York City or things like that. But normally it's very nefarious trauma, such as molestation, rape, sex or physical abuse, bullying, and things like that. And it cracks the door. But I want to, as an aside, I just, just like when I was driving here, the, word, the Lord said, I'm going to tell you something real quick, and he did. You know there's good trauma and bad trauma? Do you ever think about that? Trauma takes us down the road of sin, but yet good trauma takes us out of it. Now, I never realized that until this morning, but I'll address that later. So when you have this trauma, it cracks open your soul. You start doubting who you were. You know, at one time you were a happy little boy or girl, you know, I'm a boy. And you're happy with that. You're a little girl, and you're happy with that. But something happened to you traumatically, and you start doubting who you are. Or why did this happen to me? If I was a little boy, maybe they wouldn't bully me. If I was a little girl, maybe Daddy would love me more. And these lies start swirling in our minds, and we start believing them. And this open door, it opens what I believe 
as doors to demonic activity. The world doesn't want us to believe demons are out there today, but they are. I know this is a little bit out there, but, you know, they're all saying there's a demon behind every bush. I wouldn't be surprised if that was true. So anyway, but when this happens, a lot of times we don't have the training we need. And in, in Ephesians 4.27, it says, don't give the devil a place. Don't give the devil a place. But I did. He did. And it led us down this crazy road. And, you know, a lot of us here, John 10.10 10 says the thief comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. That's just the start of it. But what's the other side of it? Jesus. I came that have you might that you might have life abundantly and to the full. That's God's design. A full, abundant life in him and his ways. And a lot of people think, well, God's just a poonanny. Well, he's your creator for one thing. He created all of us. He created everything in this world and everything that we see, touch, feel, and hear. He is a master designer. He knows what's best for us. Well, I want to do what I want. Well, you know what? God has a plan. Does your car have a manual or repair manual? Does it give you some rules of the road? We got that right here, the Bible. I want to do what I want. Well, you do that with your car, and pretty soon ain't going to be running too well. Run out of gas or brake. And that's what we do when we go our own way. But when we follow and know that God loves us, he has the best plan, and we follow that plan, we have abundant life. But the flip side of that, who is this guy, the devil, the thief? Well, let's just brief just a few qualities of this evil being. As we already talked about, he steals, he kills, he destroys, he masquerades as a being of light, he's a copycat, he's an inverter. He takes what's good and makes it bad, and what's bad, good. He's a a persecutor. He's a liar. He's a seducer. He's an accuser. He's subtle. He's a sneaky snake. He's a deceiver, and he's patient. We forget about that a lot. We talk about the patience of Job. God is patient, but you know who else is patient in a bad way? The devil. That's what, yeah, it happens. Happened to Pastor Copeland happened to me. So now we kind of know who we're fighting against. We have to realize that sin is an evil seed. Pastor Troy talked about good seed. Well, just the flip side of that is evil seed, which is sin. It starts small and it grows. The Bible talks about the leaven. You know, in the bread, you put a little bit in, it ruins the whole thing. It's the same way. And when you have this crack in your soul, you embrace sin, the, the darkness, the evil forces come in. And I had one guy that you know I was ministering with, and he said God showed him that when you cross-dress or go down this road, it's like having an affair with a demon. That's pretty significant. How many of y'all would have intimate relations with the most evil thing alive? You wouldn't do it, would you? Sadly... He didn't deal with this properly, and I say this with a sad heart. And I'm getting into a little bit broader context here. Obviously, he felt there was either he had no guilt because as you go down this road, 
the guilt goes down and the acceptance of sin goes up. You have a seared conscience. Has that happened to anyone here? Did me. Did me. But, you know, looking back at this guy, he's about 15 years younger than me in our era. There is no safe place to go. Um, when I started this in the 70s, no one knew what a transgender was. And surely you couldn't talk to anybody about it because we didn't know what it was. Might have been one or two, but very few. Now it's the total of the opposite. And another thing, too, we see here in the anatomy of a failure is the world says to embrace sin. The word says to run from it, flee. And today when we see people like this, I'm not saying all churches, but a lot of times the church can have a, either a attitude, oh, it's okay to be alphabet soup, Come on in. You know, it's okay you were made that way. No, it's not. Pastor Troy said, God did not make us this way. It's a lie. The other thing the church does is condemn these people, poke them in the eye. I wouldn't want to go to a church like that. Okay, I'm a sinner. I need some help. I go in my dress, you know, because um, Ted and thought I was Teresa. If people poke me in the eye, I ain't coming back because I don't want that kind of God. But neither of these gets to the root. And think about what Pastor Copeland went through inside. I did. It is a war. It is torment. It is not fun. It's not something he asked for. No one ever woke up and said, I'm going to be transgender today. I'm going to be a drunkard. I'm going to be a drug addict. I'm going to be a pornographer. Whatever. It's a slow process where shame and hurt just overtake us. You know, he went through incongruity in his head. There's a, a dissonance, and it grew louder and louder and louder. At first it was quiet, and then pretty soon it was a rock band at 140 decibels. And it, when it gets that loud, it drowns out everything. Your, your spiritual senses and roots are just, like, leveled. And we seek short-term gain for satisfaction. And you know what? This did satisfy me. It did satisfy Pastor Copeland. But, hmm, must not satisfy him quite enough. And I don't say that to belittle him because it happened to me. I'm right there with him. Creates depression. It destroys families. And... You know, as John Dunn said, no man is an island unto himself. We're not. Whether it's, does this, does this sin, does this perversion just affect him, as he said in his article? No. It affects everyone. Can you imagine the youth in his church that are struggling with this? Now they got a green light. It's okay. Our pastor did it. We can do it. No, it's not okay. You have to eradicate sin violently. But yet at the same time, those that struggle, we have to have mercy on them. We have to have mercy. What did Jesus say to the sinner? He said, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. 
Jesus wants to give us rest, but if we're fighting with sin, you're not going to find it. So what do we do? People that genuinely, genuinely come, as I did, we love and embrace them. doesn't mean, basically it's like Gateway Church says, come as you are, but don't stay that way. If you stay that way, you got to set boundaries and move these people on. Another key thing is we as a church have got to get a grip on the power of deliverance. In me, it was seven demons. You don't believe in demons? You just come ask me. And I'll tell you, because i tell you the truth. When they come out, it is an experience you don't want. I literally thought I was going to die. Just like Mark one twenty six. If you want to read it, go look it up in the Bible. But we've got to get deliverance. And then when these people are delivered, or it may not always be that, it could be stinking thinking, we have to walk with them. You know, like Ken does, you know, he, he trains these people that are brought up in wackadoodle stinking thinking about whatever it may be. His ministry is there to help them. We as a church need to be there. And, you know, another thing you said, it's a hobby I relieve stress. Well, how many of us have drinks to receive stress? How many of us watch pornography? How many of us gamble? Do any of these things have a good end? No. No. You lose your life. Not only that, you know, when people go down this road... It ends in suicide. In youth, the the rate of those that have transitioned goes up 20 to 40%. Would a doctor ever provide, I'll give you this treatment, it's going to increase your chances of dying 20, 40%. You wouldn't take it. Why do we do it? It's not a hobby. What you do in private comes out. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So we see here a critical failure on three parts, self, his family, and church. It says at the end of June, Jude, I forgot to write the, it down, is that those that are on their way to hell, we're to snatch them out. Snatch them out. That, that's not tapping them on the shoulder. Say, Johnny, I see your Julie come on over here. It, it might be a very, I'll just say significant act. I don't know what it is, but we've got to take this more serious and not say, you just do what you want, whatever makes you happy. That's what the devil says. Instead, we just say, do whatever makes God happy. So with that, what do we do about this? We have compassion on Pastor Copeland the legacy he left, which is not a very good one, um, but it could have been prevented if he would have faced and dealt with it. I don't care what people say. The alphabet soup way of life will not bring you long-term contentment, happiness, all the things you're seeking. It's a way that ends in death. The only answer is Jesus Christ and the gospel. So what do we need to do? We need to believe the Bible 100%. It's true from Genesis to Revelation. We need to repent of sin early before it eats us up. 
We need to deal aggressively with sin. We can't just say, it's okay, it'll go away. No, we need to deal with it, it'll kill you. We need to believe in the power of the gospel to transform. If we go to a church that says, hey, say a prayer, you're good, you got your ticket to heaven. The gospel is not a license to sin. It's a license to be free of sin. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. That's what the gospel is. Part of it is. We've got to set church boundaries when people do come in. You know, as we said earlier, come as you are, but don't stay that way. And probably the biggest thing we have to do all this is living for self. If we live for Jesus, it's not an issue. I just want to close with a, a quote that I did a podcast with Change Movement on Monday. Myself and Billy Burley, a fellow detransitioner who, like me, went as far as you can do it. You know, cutting stuck things, things off. Anyway, this is from that interview. All my life, I suffered in the closet with off-and-on episodes of cross-dressing until I fully chose to identify as a woman. I know that Mr. Copeland had an extreme dichotomy going on to take his life. Like this man, I was at the end of my rope. But praise God, I had an amazing encounter with God, and he rescued me through demonic deliverance. Even as a Christian growing up, there was no one to talk to about this. When I was 14, I prayed to be a girl and cried all night long. The church wasn't open to it, sadly. And I think this man is what kind of what he encountered. People just don't understand it um, because it's a little bit different. We don't always understand people that are different than we are. But you know what? We have a huge wave of people leaving this delusion. I don't say this lightly. The church is ill-equipped to handle this. Instead of pointing fingers, we need to have mercy. We need to be willing to extend the hand of grace and to walk beside these people. Thank you. God bless all. Praise the Lord. You know, Ted says there's no safe place. You know the church should be a safe place. The body of Christ should be a safe place for these people to go. And I think you hit it just right, Ted. Um, The church, I've always said that the church missed its ministry to the alphabet soup community. We say that word here because we don't want Facebook to strike us down, okay? But in the old days when I came up, it was like you said, poking them in the eye. It was ridicule. It was how dare you. There was no grace, there was no love, there was no truth in love. And today it's just the opposite. The other, all the way on the other side, just, we love you, come as you are, God made you that way, you're good, you're good to go. We're just going to love you the way you are, and that's not right either. Because they're on their way to hell, and the church is supposed to be giving them the truth. And so I've always said that you cannot have real love, you cannot have it genuine love without truth right you got to have truth so i got to give you the truth but i also got to tell it to you in love amen 
So, and Ted, I thought one more scripture came to mind as you were speaking. Sin has pleasure for a season. Like you said at the beginning, the cross-dressing, um, it took away your stress. It, it, it did something for you. But the other side of it, the other side was it took you all the way to transgenderism. And then also the other side of it was what Ted didn't tell you, he was also suicidal. When his sister came and laid hands and prayed for him that particular day, and those seven demons came out of him, he was at the point of suicide. So sin has pleasure on the front side. That front side is good. Sleeping with him for that hour is good. You know, hitting that crack pipe is good. But when all your teeth done fell out your mouth and you can't keep a job and you're under 100 pounds and all you can think about is getting your next hit. See, that's the other side of sin. Amen. So thank you, Brother Ted, for sharing that. Now we're in for a treat. Pastor D, if you'll come up here, ma'am. And you guys, the Lord told me to do it this way. He said, I want you to deal with this issue. And he said, I want Brother Ted, D, and you to each share with the people that what I put on their heart. So, D, I'll get my stuff out your way. Hello, everyone. So, um, I really can just stand here and say ditto. <laughs> What Ted said is he's, he said a lot of things that I was going to say, and I probably still will, just kind of in a different way. Um, the first thing that came to mind when I read the, um, there's a couple of articles that I read about what happened with Pastor Copeland. And um, I remember years ago a phrase, love the skin you're in. I don't you know, some of y'all probably remember people saying that. And that was based on people being uncomfortable in their skin and being, and uh, basically coming to a place where they just accepted themselves for the way they are. And that was, a lot of that was um, around the time when people, everybody was trying to be skinny, <laughs> you know. Uh, now they just let it, let it, yeah, they're too skinny. They just let it all hang out nowadays. <laughs> it don't matter what size you are. You Whatever you can squeeze into, you know, anything goes now. But that was a phrase years ago, love the skin you're in. Um, but I believe what's happening right now, you guys, is there's, there's the enemy has put a spin on that and he's taken it to the next level. Okay. And it's love the sin you're in. That is what's happening in the world right now is that we're being conditioned and programmed to just love the sin that we are in and not walk in the obedience of the word of God. Um, so y'all think about it for a minute. When you think about these phones and de- devices that we use and things like that, the main thing that we are being conditioned to right now is to be in touch with our feelings and our emotions. That's what emojis are. I've said that several times, probably from from the pulpit before, is that there's e- there's an emoji for every emotion under the sun. <laughs> okay? Not just in... At first it was just like when you would go on Facebook and somebody would post something that you like. You could just say like. Then it became care. Then it's love. Then it's hearts. It's happy. It's sad. It's angry. It's, it's all kinds of, they, they have evolved. The emotions have been expanded, and it keeps us subconsciously aware of how we feel about everything. So when I first heard this story, that's what came to mind, is that we are so conditioned to 
care about how people feel about the things that they are in, that we have forgotten that God, in his word, has told us what's acceptable, what is not acceptable. And that's the bottom line. There's no gray area in God. That's, that's why he said if you're lukewarm, what's he going to do? He's going to spew you out of his mouth. You, can, you have to be hot or cold, either all in for him or don't know him. But when you are in that middle ground, that gray area, when you're straddling the fence, God has told you, told us all, that's not acceptable to me. I don't care how you feel about it. What does the word say about it? And we are to be obedient to this word, and there is, there's no emotion that can counter the word of God, right? So love the, love the sin you're in. Um, it's, it's almost impossible to obey a law when you're emotional. I don't care what you know about what a person's situation is. If you are emotionally bonded or emotionally attached to something, a lot of times you're going to bend the rules. You're going to break laws, deviate from truth, because now you care about not hurting somebody's feelings. Okay? So why am I saying all that? When I looked at this article, I'm just going to read the the um, headline. And this is from the, the Guardian. It says, Alabama town grieves mayor who killed himself after far right blog outed him there you go he killed himself after a far right blog outed him so what are they doing they're trying to put a spin on this person's sin now unfortunately i know my heart grieves for the family my heart grieves for the community for the church for everybody that this man he affected in his life here but what the media will try to do is get you to focus on the only reason this happened to him is because they, they outed him. He should have been allowed to live his private life. It was nobody's business what he was doing, right? But, be, but had we not then exposed it, he would still be here. This is what I've been he- hearing. Even outside of the article, this is what, I'm, what I've been hearing. Oh, he would still be here if they hadn't. No, this man, what is, even Ted has already said, what are the wages of sin? He earned the wages of sin. Just like I go to my job, whatever I do, I earn a living. I have wages that I'm paid for what I do. The wages of sin is death. That is the result. That's the culmination of all this stuff that he was trying to do in private. It was catering to the sin nature. If we walk after the flesh, right? If we sow to the flesh, we shall of the flesh reap corruption. If we sow to the spirit, we shall reap life everlasting. These man, this is the law of sowing and reaping, and this is the manifestation of it. It's really that simple, okay? People who are speaking on this, if we are not um, emotional and feeling a certain way about it, then we are called uh, holier than thou. We are we are we've heard this before everybody hears this don't judge me i don't have to judge you and i nobody has to judge me even though we are permitted to but that's a that's a message for another time but the point is that is what the world cries when you begin to expose the sin when you begin to expose 
what should be exposed as sin then then you become they they put you in this box of you're just you're judging and you hear everybody say don't don't judge me the bible does that for us all (laughs) and we hold ourselves under the biblical microscope it doesn't it doesn't take me or you or anyone else looking at a situation and, and having to um judge it if we would just keep it under the biblical microscope that's already here we don't have to worry about that ted has already said the thief cometh not but for to this is john ten ten. he comes not but for to steal kill and destroy the thing is <clears throat> that's all satan can do all he can do is steal all he can do is kill all he can do that's that's his whole motive is to steal to kill and to destroy but when we get in bed with him so to speak and think that we that he is our confidant he's going to keep our private life private he's going to allow no when this when this article says that this man was outed that is worldly terminology because here's the thing who outed this man was it was it 1819 news you know what outed this man he did the devil did because they because that's what the devil does he gets you in this secret place and he makes you think it's just you and me in here nobody's ever going to know this just keep on doing this in private this man established a blog he had social media sites more than one but it was under an, an, an assumed identity so who outed who he outed himself but he thought the devil was going to help him keep a secret. Right? He thought that he his secret is like the devil said, oh, your secret is safe with me. So he trusted the devil to, keep, to help him keep his private life private. We don't have no private life. We're children of God. Everything is out in the open. Everything is exposed. We can't hide from God like he doesn't know. <laughs> So when I read that, I was like, no, this is, this is not a result of the man being outed, someone being insensitive and not caring about, you know, oh, it, and it was, he was outed without his permission, without his consent is what it said. So we just post, look, you're in sin, you're deceiving the church, you're deceiving the community, you're deceiving yourself, you're deceiving your wife, you're deceiving your children, you're deceiving everybody but you're supposed to, we're supposed to agree with you that you know what, that's your private business and let's just help you keep this mask on. Let's help you keep it covered up. How is that love? That is not love. Even as uh, Ted was just saying about Jude, I'm going to read the scripture that you alluded to because how can you help somebody if you don't know that, they're, that they need help sometimes? Now, I know the Lord will reveal some things to us, but Ted, you were talking about this, this uh, Jude, let me read verse 22. And of some have compassion, making a difference. First of all, let me read 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Verse 22, and of some have compassion, making a difference. But the one you were alluding to is verse 23. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment spotted by the flesh okay so and i'm gonna i like to read that in the amplified it says strive to save others snatching them out of the fire and on others take pity but with fear 
loathing even the garment spotted by the flesh and polluted by their sensuality. Y'all hear that? But here's the thing. What do we hear and what do we read even in this article? This was his private and personal business. And we had no business exposing and saying anything about what this man does in his private time. No, this needs to be, see, it needs to be exposed. But here's the thing. What we do is say, this man is affecting me in my life. And I'm going to take all the, the, the good stuff about him and only focus on that. Because it makes me feel a certain way. Because he's representing a certain, we do that all the time. Yes, we do. Because he's a good mayor. He's a good pastor. He has a heart of gold. That's what someone, some, someone said in the article. He has a heart of gold. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. But we say this man had a heart of gold because he did good things that made me feel good. So we, what in essence are we saying is let him stay in his sin because he's making me feel good. Let him die and go to hell and burn because he makes me feel good while he's here. I don't see what we're saying is I don't care about what happens to him when he leaves this earth as long as he's making me feel good while he's here. That's really what we're saying. Okay. Now I agree. We have to love. We should have compassion. We are to restore those who have been overtaken in a fault with those who are spiritual. We're supposed to restore them gently. That's what the word of God says. Not point the finger at them, not try to make them feel bad or, or condemn them for what they are struggling with. It's a struggle. We all have sins, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I got sin in my life. Now, it's not going to be exposed up here today. (laughs) One day it just might if I don't deal with it. Y'all understand what I'm saying? But the thing is, we cannot, we can't point fingers, we can't condemn, but we can't hide either. There is a balance. We have to have a heart for each person who's struggling in anything and ask the Lord, in what way can I help my brother? In what way can I help my sister? Because just standing here exposing their sin, that's not helping. But at the same time, if I do expose their sin, the choice that they make after that thing is exposed doesn't fall on me. This man, unfortunately, took his life. As a result of the embarrassment, of the shame, of the condemnation, of the guilt, and all those things. But those things did not come from him being outed. It's a culmination of all the stuff that was already going on. And it was, look, it was bound to happen anyway. Whether it was 1819 that did it, something else was going to happen in his life. Because that is what the devil's ultimate goal is. When you partner with him, he's going to take you out end of story and if he doesn't if he doesn't just get you he's gonna get your mind first that's why we got these emojis (laughs) so we can keep thinking on how we feel about something so these emojis are y'all if y'all don't get this get this if you don't get nothing else we are we have to stop being so in touch with our feelings because even we as christians begin to compromise the word of God, because of how we feel about the person, the situation, the thing, or whatever. It's a, oh, how do I feel about that? I don't care what you feel, and neither does God. 
y'all hear what i'm saying and i'm not is he in touch with our feelings and our infirmities of yes he is but he is not emotional this word god god is not going to deviate from his word because he feels bad for us no for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed on him should not perish but have everlasting life that word should is there for a reason you shouldn't perish but you can you should not make these choices but you just might but when you do make these choices it's not his fault it's because of your own choices we sin when we when we fall away it's a choice that we are making because romans chapter six troy i'm not gonna be up here long romans chapter six reminds us that of the first of all verse one what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound shall we continue in sin that is a choice that we are making to keep sinning is sin is not something that is so um strong that you can't decide not to do it shall we continue in sin that means shall we or shall we not you have an option right but verse 11 or let me just go to 12 let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof this man did not have to continue to obey the lust of his flesh he didn't have to do that it was a choice now while it may have been a stronghold a struggle and all those things i get that i understand that i've not been there so i don't know what it's like to have that struggle i have other things that i've struggled with but at the same time this word says to us let not sin therefore reign listen let not sin therefore rule as king in your mortal short-lived perishable bodies to make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lusts and evil passions yield that's an action that you take just like when you go outside whether it's a stop sign or yield sign right you some now a lot of people don't pause at yield signs (laughs) most people just roll right on through them but it's there for a reason but you have to take that action to yield you have to take that action to stop right the yield sign is there but you still have to choose to obey it right so when i read this and it says let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof that is a choice that you're making to be obedient to that lust that's in you neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin neither yield ye so that is that is me saying wanda don't yield to this thing but the ultimate choice is free will you get to decide for yourself whether you're going to do this thing or not so um as a matter of fact it says for sin shall not have dominion over you 
we have to make these righteous choices. We got to make these righteous choices. And just lastly, let me just say this. Ted, you've already said sin only has pleasure for a season. We we know that. But Proverbs fourteen twelve, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Right? One more proverb I'm gonna read. I just went ahead and, and typed this down so I didn't have to flip through the pages so much. Proverbs eleven nineteen. As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. Yeah. What are you pursuing? Are you pursuing a personal and private life of sin or are you pursuing a life of righteousness? Because I'm going to tell you what, it's going to find you out. Whatever your, whatever your heart, whatever is in here, this deceitful, wicked thing is going to tell on you. It's either going to tell on you while you got breath in your body or it's going to tell on you after you're gone. Because nobody, it wasn't um, exposed what this man was really dealing with. But now that he's gone, the whole world knows the whole world the very thing he'd been trying to hide all of these years is exposed he's not even here and this what's sad to me is that the weight that must have been on him when this thing was exposed and he felt like there was no other option he felt like there was no other option but what did Ted say? Come unto me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But what did he do? He dressed up to relieve. He dressed up in women's clothing, he said, to relieve his stress. God said, come unto me. He didn't say dress up in women's clothing. Exactly. It's a lie, Brother Ted is saying here. Instead of doing what you need to do and come into the Lord, come to me. I understand your struggle. I know you're under stress. I know you're under pressure. I know you're fighting these demons. But come unto me. All you who are weary and heavy laden. This man was heavy laden. But he didn't go to the one who could give him rest. He chose to continue because it's not about this man being, it's not about the, 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 simple way that we define sin sometimes because it's not that he did this thing one time this was a lifestyle so this was a habitual this was a habitual sin right so that's why he was unfortunately earning the wages of it because it was a habit that he had formed and he did not do what the lord tells us to do we don't have to continue in sin we can we can turn this thing off and we can run to the lord but what we normally do is keep trying to like pastor dean always says holding beach balls on the water you can't do it forever at some point i don't care i don't know if you ever been to the beach i don't know if you ever had a beach ball you ever try to press it you can get in the swimming pool (laughs) whatever you can put in the sink if you want to try to hold a ball underwater and tell me what's what's gonna happen 
is the ball going to wear out first or your muscles? <laughs> your strength. Your strength is going to wear out first. So you may as well not even try to hold them underwater. Look, just deal with the issue. Pop the ball, pop the ball if you have to. You know what I'm saying? Uncover, expose whatever it is you need to uncover and expose because the devil ain't playing with us, right? So one other thing that these people said is we should just trust his heart is what they said about this man. And they said, they said we don't care if he's in high heels or football cleats. We love and miss him. Do y'all hear that? We don't care. We can stop right there. This, these were people in the community and people that knew this man. This was, these were their comments. We don't care if. I don't care what comes after the if. You just said you don't care. Stop right there. Because as long as he was benefiting you in some way, you didn't care what really happened to him. He was, his soul was, he was being tormented by demons. But as long as he played it off and you felt like he did a good job to help you and your community and you used your stuff and things and whatever else, you were okay that this man was being tormented by demons and on his way to hell. Because you don't care if he's in high heels or cleats. What about if he's burning in hell? You care about that? So you have a choice. <laughs> mercy is not, God is not required to show us mercy. We are required to be obedient. End the story. We are required to be obedient, but we, we want to require of God to show us mercy. And, but Joy's telling me to keep going for one more minute. Uh, <laughs> um, Okay, I will say this. Emotions tell us we don't have to obey, just feel a certain way about a thing, right? Obedience is doing the right thing no matter how you feel about it. And lastly, obedience is not getting what you want. Ted said this in his own way. Obedience is not getting what you want, but God getting what he requires. Why y'all waiting to give God some praise? Why y'all waiting on it? Was that not a blessing? Wow, that was so much of a blessing. D, I'm going to give you a chance to get everything powered back up here. There's nothing I can say behind what Pastor D said. Like I said, I, I didn't know what she was going to say, but I knew it was going to be good because I know how the Lord uses her and, and speaks uh, through her. And so I want, I want to talk about some things, too, that, you know, from the time that I heard this story, um, I, some things came to my heart and mind as well. And, D, I will, let me just say this. I didn't know, I'm glad you, you quoted all those things. That's actually what I wanted you to do. She, D did some reading and some research, and she quoted a lot of things that people said from his church. You guys, this is the fallen away church. This is what the Apostle Paul was talking about. In the last days, there would be a great falling away. Right? The, uh, the great apostasy, they call it. That's 
That's the uh, Greek word. It's apostasy. And mm-hmm. and so, um, you guys, this is sad. This is very, very sad that this is the thoughts of a particular church body. Pastor D., I'm going to be putting some scriptures up here in just a second. So let's talk about this. First of all, I want to talk to you guys about identity theft. That is my, um, I said this was a subtitle would be identity theft. This is a common crime in today's world. D, I'm going to get ready to pull up John 10 and 10. Uh, He already talked about this scripture, but. It's a common crime today's world where you steal someone else's identity to be able to get credit in their name and then purchase items illegally. People have bought homes, cars, all kinds of things using someone else's identity. And you guys, that's what Satan is. He is an identity thief. John 10 and 10. We're going to put it up here on the screen. The thief cometh not but to steal Notice there, the first thing he calls him is a thief. He's a thief, right? He comes, the thief comes, but to steal, kill, and to kill and destroy. In this particular case, he, what did he do? He stole this man's identity. What did he do with our brother Ted here at one particular time? He stole his identity and he started telling him when Ted was looking in, That magic mirror, you're not a man. You were always meant to be a woman. He stole your identity. He's a thief. What else does it say he does? says he kills. What did he do? He killed your understanding of the word of God. Ted had been in church his whole life. He was a professing Christian from the time. Hold where you, Ted. 10, 12 years old, he said. He can't remember exactly when. But what did he did? the enemy do? He killed that. This is more truth than this. And then what else did he do? He destroys. He destroyed God's plan and purpose for your life. The thief, that's what he is, comes to still kill and destroy. Now, I have a bunch of why questions here. Why did this preacher slash pastor not understand the word of God concerning cross-dressing? That's why I want to understand. Why did he not know that this is a serious sin and offense to God? Can we look at it in the scripture? The Bible says all things that pertain to life and godliness is in this word. Deuteronomy 22 and 5. Look at this. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do are abomination unto the Lord thy God. What does it say? If a woman wears a man's clothes, or if a woman, or if a man wears a woman's clothes, here's the word I want you to concentrate on is the word abomination. You know what abomination means? This is how it is to God. You must understand this. 
Let me give you some adjectives. Or should I say some synonyms of the word abomination? Detestable. Disgusting. Hated. Repulsive. That's what abomination means. So how can the people in his church, Ted, say, we don't care if he wears flat shoes or high heels. We just love the man and accept him. We were just glad he was a... Really? What does the word of God say? We are so moved and shifted by the world system. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? Why did this preacher slash pastor not know that there was forgiveness and freedom in God? Why did he not know that Christians can open up their spirit and give devils legal authority to enter in and possess them? First and foremost, I'm going to answer that question, is because he belonged to a denomination that believes that Christians cannot be possessed by a demon. Wrong. You go smoke crack, you can be a Christian. You go smoke crack, there's demons that enter into you with, with that pharmacia enters into your system. You start watching porn and it becomes a habit, it becomes a part of your lifestyle. There's spirits attached to porn. Y'all don't remember when the sister came up here and shared her whole testimony of how she was a little girl, found a porn. Y'all remember that day? She, that was a powerful ministry and testimony she shared that day. And something entered her as, when she first looked at it. And years later, who was that? You said the devil is patient. He kept working on her and working on her till she left her four small children, a good husband, who had never cheated on her, beat it on her, hardworking man that made great money, left all of them so she could go act out what she was seeing in those magazines and in the movies. Demons entered her. She was a Christian. They went to church every Sunday. So that's the first problem. Amen? Why did this preacher slash pastor did not realize that there is power and authority in the name of Jesus. And you see, all, all of our messages are overlapping each other. Why did he not know that demon spirits are subject to the name of Jesus? I want to look at some scriptures here, and we're, we're coming in for a close. Amen? Let's look, look at Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 17 through 19. I want to show you these in the scriptures. It says, and the, uh, the 70 returned again with joy. Now, let me stop right there. So here it is. Jesus sent out 70 devout men. This was during his earthly ministry. He sent out 70 devout men to go out and do ministry, to heal people, to cast out demons. And the 70 come back and they're happy. They're, they're full with joy. This, and they were saying to the Lord, even the devils are subject to your name. Y'all, there's so much power in this name. There's so much power in the name of Jesus. Verse 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. But then look at verse 19. He said, behold, I give you what? Power to tread upon serpents 
and scorpions. Can I stop there just a second? Jesus wasn't talking about us getting a bed of snakes and us walking over them, although there have been some crazy Christians have done stuff, or a bed of scorpions, because you ain't going to make it. <laughs> okay? That's not what he was talking about. He's talking here about various types of demonic power and activity. He says, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And evidently, serpents and scorpions are two different types of demonic powers. Because a serpent ain't a scorpion and a scorpion ain't a serpent. Amen. But he said, I give you power over over all of it. Right. And over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. This man could have been helped. Let's look at Matthew 8, 28 through 32. It said, and when he was gone to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce. That means these guys were strong, stronger than regular men so that no man could pass by that way these were demon possessed men amen i want you guys to understand that they were full of demons all right keep going and behold they cried out saying what have we to do with thee jesus thou son of god wow the demons already knew who he was here they were tormenting these two men and the demons spoke through them, and they said, what are we to do with you, Jesus? It's not our time. See, this is what you got to understand, is that demons already know they only have a certain amount of time. They already know that they're going to be one day cast into the lake of fire. They already know that their judgment day, there's a judgment coming for them. And they know they only have so much time. And they already knew that he was the son of God. Keep going, Dean. And there was a good way off from them, a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, if thou cast us out. Hold up. And Jesus can cast out demons. Amen. He said, if thou cast us out, suffer us or allow us to go away into that herd of swine. And he said unto them, I love this. Go! One word. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. Amen. Sometimes, you guys, all it, all you need is one word. From God. One word. Sometimes. If, you, if, if you're saying it in Jesus name. Crystal all you need sometimes is one word. Jesus healed. He, he delivered these two men with one word. Go. That's how much power. And now he says we are his ambassadors on the earth. We walk in his authority. He deputized us now to use his name. His disciples, even before he went to the cross, already said, there's so much power in your name. The demons are even subject to us. I don't know why this man did not know this. He was a student of the word. He was a student of the gospel. Why didn't he? Know? See, my questions were why? I don't understand this. Graham. Philippians 2, let's look at this, 9 through 11. 
Wherefore God, here meaning the Father, also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven. Y'all, everything in heaven going to bow one day to Jesus. And things on the earth, everything on the earth going to bow to Jesus. And then he says things underneath the earth, even the demons, even the fallen angels that were in chain, that are in chains. Everything is going to bow and say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. And that every tongue, verse 11, every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So my question is why? Why didn't this man know these things? Now, I'm going to talk to you about being a hypocrite. And Pastor D talked someone um, Pastor D talked somewhat about this as well, but she, she said it kind of in a little different way, but the Holy Spirit put on my heart the word hypocrite. And I want to read something from, from my phone that I found on this. It says here, the, a number of different things might pop in your mind when you hear the word hypocrite. Maybe it's a politician caught in a scandal. Maybe it's a religious leader doing something counter to their creed. Maybe it's a scheming and conniving character featured in the soap operas. But it's likely that one thing that doesn't come to mind is theater. The word hypocrite ultimately came into English from the Greek word hypocrites, which means an actor or a stage player. The Greek word itself is a compound noun. It's made up of two Greek words that literally translate an interpreter from underneath. That bizarre compound makes more sense when you know that the actors in ancient Greek theater were large masks to mark which character they were playing. And so they interpreted the story from underneath the mask. The word took on an extended meaning to refer to any person who was wearing a figurative mask or pretending to be someone or something they were not. This sense was taken into medieval French and then into English. Uh, In the 13th century, religious texts to refer to someone who pretends to be morally good or pious in order to deceive others. So, I want you guys to understand that where this started from was the early Greeks, when they would get up and do plays and different things, they would have on masks. And sometimes, they would have on two masks. Sometimes, one person would play two roles. And so, they would have a mask on here, and then they would have a mask on there. On the back of their head. And when they were changing roles, they would turn and you would see the other mask and they would say their lines. And then when they come back and was on the other role, they turned this way. That was this preacher. Because can I tell you something? By day, he was pastor. Behind closed doors, he was cross-dresser. But on Sunday and Wednesdays, he was pastor. That was, that was the face. Right. But to relieve his stress, he was cross dresser. 
He was a hypocrite. Can I tell y'all something? Pastor Troy has been there in his life before. I've been there. I've done that. Amen? But I want you guys to understand something, and we're going to look at a scripture here. Do you put up Luke 12, 1 through 3? We're going to look at that, and I want to tell you something. In the meantime, when they were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod or tread upon each other, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, look at what he says here, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He tells you what their sin is. He said, which is hypocrisy. See, that was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, that's what I believe would happen when they found the woman caught in the in the act of adultery and they brought her before Jesus and they said, we caught this woman in the act of adultery. What should we do? And they already knew what the law said. The law says she should be stoned to death. And they said, Jesus was quiet and he knelt down into the dirt and I believe he took a stick or his finger and I believe he began, he be, I believe he began to write the names of women either they were lusting after or they had maybe secretly had an affair with. He was just just right. That's what I believe. Joanne. Mary of Tarsus. Just start writing these names. Then he stood up and looked at him and said, Now, any one of you that has no sin, any one of you that don't have no skeletons in your closet, let you throw the first stone or throw the first bone. And the Bible says from the oldest to the youngest, because they all knew. They just left her, walked away. See, they were hypocrites. In the synagogue, Pharisee. But behind closed doors, lusting after women. Do y'all get that? But this is what I want you guys to understand. When God uncovers, when he uncovers to correct, cleanse, deliver, and restore. He corrects because the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He chastises. You, you want to know why you chastise your kids, why you spank them from time to time? Because you loved them. That's what God says. To cleanse them. That means so they, he, that man could have been washed in the blood of Jesus. To be, he, to be delivered. He could have been set free from demonic oppression and finally to restore, which means to bring you back to your right place in him so that he can begin to use you again. So we as Christians, we don't look in the magic mirror of Satan, do we? That's how we're going to end today. We don't, we don't look in this magic mirror, do we? But rather we look into the mirror of God's word. Do y'all know the word of God is also a mirror? And we're going to end on it with this last scripture, James 1, 22 through 25. Hmm? Verse 2. Okay, Pastor D said, read verse 2. Put it back up. Okay, she said it just went off. Okay. Are we going to be able to get it back up? Maybe, maybe not. Well, let me, let me go on into James then 1 and 22 through 25. I'm going to read it myself right here. I got it written down. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. 
For if a man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his face in a mirror. For he beholds himself, goes his way, and straightway, that means immediately, forgets what manner of man he was. You guys, when you hear the word, but don't become a doer of the word. While you're hearing it, yes, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror. I get you, Pastor Troy. I hear exactly what you're saying. But if you don't stay in this word and become a doer of the word, he says immediately you walk away and you forget what manner of man you are. Ted, you'll start, you'll forget what God said you were. You'll forget that God made you a man and had plans and purpose for you being a man. You'll begin to hear another voice look into another mirror. Amen. So let me read 24 one more time. He says, for he, he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway or immediately forgets what manner of man he was. Verse 25. But whoso or whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty. Can I tell you all what the perfect law of liberty is right here? He who looks in this stays in this. The perfect law of liberty or freedom continues and continues therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in all his deeds. I want to end today by asking you a question. What mirror are you always looking in? Are you looking in that magic mirror of Satan? Are the demons speaking to you and tell you something that you're not? No, I'm same-sex attracted. But that's not what God said. See, in this mirror, you don't see yourself as God made you. You see yourself as something else. That's what happened to Brother Ted. He was awesome. He was an awesome young man. He was in love with the Lord. God made him a male, meant for him to be a male, but he started looking in that magic mirror. And whenever there's magic, there's demons. And they begin to say, you're not a man. Look at yourself. You're a woman. Everything inside you, you feel like a woman. You want to have long hair, don't you? You want to walk like a woman, don't you? You want to take hormones so you can sound like a woman. See, that's the, the magic mirror. But God's word says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, I know I have plans for you to make you great. Listen, what mirror are you looking through today? Because that's the problem. That's the problem that's going on in the church right now. When I hear those people at that church that he pastored and the words that they said, it lets me know. And even the pastor himself, like D said, he had all these different sites and things he had under aliases. But this man stopped looking in this mirror and he started looking in this mirror. Let's pray. Father, what an awesome service today.
What an awesome word that was shared today. And I thank you, Lord, for what your spirit was conveying to us today. And Father, I think that the word came forth today in clarity and boldness and truth. Father, I pray that it speaks to every heart. Father, I pray that people hearing today, if they're set free, if there's nothing in their life that they've been looking into the magic mirror, then I pray that they will share this message with others who are struggling in some area of their lives. So, Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the spirit of truth. Father, we pray now that by your spirit that you would deliver and set those free. I pray people will respond to your word today and repent and come to you and come to men and women of God who are mature and strong in their faith and say, listen, I'm struggling in this area. I'm an alcoholic, but I've been hiding it. I'm a hypocrite. I'm hooked on porn, but I've been hiding it. I'm a hypocrite. I'm sneaking around on my husband, but I've been hiding it. I'm a hypocrite. I'm smiling, giving holy hugs in church, but at night, I'm something else. I'm a hypocrite. Father, I pray today that they would come to the light. So that they can be healed, forgiven, and whole, and restored. And Father, I pray in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Wow. Hallelujah. Whew. Thank you, Lord. And we thank you for being with us here once again at Next Level Ministries. And um, I know it's been a little longer service than we normally go, but God wanted to tackle this today. And listen, you know what we're all about here at this ministry And once again today, we're not going to let you stay where you're at. We're going to keep taking you to the next level. Y'all be blessed. We'll see you again soon. Amen.